0: Hey guys, it's your girl Ashley Graham and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy Joey Price. Hello, you are listening to the latest episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show brought to you by Jumpstart HR. The purpose of this podcast is for you to learn a little bit more about entrepreneurship, about life skills, and at the end of it, make you feel like you've become a much better person just for spending your time with us today. On this episode, I'm joined by Kevin Van Eckeren, who is an investor, entrepreneur, farmer, and fellow podcaster. And if you want to know about how all those things can intersect and more, and how you can manage multiple responsibilities and still stay true to yourself, uh, we're going to dive a little bit about that. So Kevin, thanks for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Now, I want to jump into something right away that I think our, our listeners will be interested in. Now, you have a background uh, working on a SWAT team. Is that correct?
1: Correct. So, I was on a SWAT team as a Pavilion for four years, and I also owned my own company training SWAT teams for six
0: years. Wow. What was that experience like?
1: It was a, it was a, it was a fantastic experience because I got to see the other side of the world the thing that most people don't see. And it really changed my life for the better because, one, I appreciate that I've never had to be put in the opposite end of that position, facing that uh, horrible incident, but also that I understand what the world really is like, and it makes me more of a realist, which I think is a good thing.
0: Yeah, and Kevin, we are all abuzz now with the Vegas shooter and the tragedy that happened a few days ago. Uh, at the concert as someone who was not an officer, but has a background and interest and expertise in SWAT. What are some of your, your takeaways from this whole scenario?
1: Well, I think we have to really get, you know, support and and congratulate the, the, the Las Vegas metropolitan police department, because they responded to an act, shooter and in 16 minutes figured out what room he was in and dealt with the problem. Um, and, and I don't know many SWAT teams that have that capability, but they did a phenomenal job and we need to, to show our support for them because more than often we hate cops. We don't love them. Yeah. And, uh, and those cops saved a lot of lives that day.
0: They saved a ton of lives and I could not imagine being there in the middle of what was going on and trying to figure out the shooter where is it coming from what direction i mean there's this whole lot of things going on and for them to be able to do that in 16 minutes that is definitely outstanding
1: it is and and it is a that is a real challenge because you have to think outside the box you have to be able to communicate while rounds are going off while someone's actually firing at you that's that's an amazing thing and i i'm just i'm so proud of them
0: yeah what type of what type of team do you think that takes? Is it a, a large-scale force that would require that type of insight, or um, is that a smaller team? Oh, yeah. Yeah?
1: No, that's – I mean, they – the SWAT team wasn't the one that actually figured out where they were. It was the patrolmen, and they took the big risk of standing right outside that door after the uh, gunman had already shot a security guard oh, in wow. the hallway, so they knew that he uh, had the capacity – to do that and they they still went and and did what they did and I just that's an amazing amount of courage and and heroism that that I'm so glad we can depend on our police officers for
0: yeah yeah well hey we are gonna close the loop on that convo there but I wanted to get your take on it you're an expert in the field and it's very timely that we're talking today Um, thank you to our uh, the SWAT team and the first responders there in that situation and, you know, our our thoughts are definitely with the families of all those affected by that tragedy. Well, absolutely. Kevin, let's, let's, let's talk about your current business. Uh, you are the founder of Fulcrum Investing. And what is it that you do at Fulcrum?
1: So basically, it, it's a family office. And, and so the purpose of it is to... Uh, diversify investments over um, different startups in different fields. And uh, one of the things that kind of allows us to do that is that we don't have other investors. So it's not as though we have to give a sales pitch to get money to then invest so we can be a lot more flexible with where our money goes.
0: And why do you think that positions your firm to uh, to stand out as opposed to everyone that has to get different types of investors. What what does that afford you to do?
1: Yeah, so it allows us to have a lot more diversification than any other fund I know of. Uh, Most people want to invest and put their money into IOT or uh, SaaS platforms or whatever it is, but they they feel very uncomfortable just handing money over someone saying, go do, invest in whatever you want. Uh, it's just very hard to collect money that way. And yet, we've invested in anything from fashion, to food, to tech, to SaaS, to B2B, and everything in between. And because we've had that diversification, we've had a higher rate of return than most other firms.
0: So in, in starting a business, they often say to focus on a niche. But when it comes to investing, you would recommend diversification?
1: absolutely as long as it, it all depends on your team so i have seven other people that have very different backgrounds and expertise than mine and so we have the ability to diversify because we have so many different people in so many different fields that can that are keeping up with the trends and understanding the, the field on at a very deep level so that's what allows us to do that but someone that's just running their own fund and it's just them that becomes much more difficult um, and, and so it, it all depends on what, what someone wants to do and how many people someone wants to work with.
0: Wow. wow. So, Kevin, if someone listening today is interested in actually starting an investment firm, what type of advice would you share?
1: The first thing before you do anything is to get linked into your local network. And that, depending on who you are, I'm kind of an introvert, so it took me like a year. Um, Some people only take a few months. But even once you get in, there's good and bad investors and good and bad investments. And you have to sort all that out. So I would recommend if you want to get into it, just take a year to just understand the landscape and then figure out your strategy after that.
0: Okay, so networks are really important. I can agree with that. I mean, I don't know if I'd be where I am in business right now without having a good relationship with people that can either open doors or connect me with opportunities. And I don't think that if I had if I had gone out on my own in business and not seek to have friends and allies, uh, allies, uh, I wouldn't be at, in the place where I am right, right now, and I think I'm doing pretty okay, pretty successful. Um, but but you're right, you're absolutely right. You can't go at it alone.
1: And, and I appreciate what you said about allies. You absolutely have to have allies, and that's a big part of our strategy. We don't take investments that just send us an email. We only take investments that other investors send us because we we were. And and they do the same with other investors. So it is kind of a, a closed group. And we like it that way because there's a lot of people that are trying to sell a lot of stupid or shady things.
0: Shady things like what? What should people be oh, on the lookout had,
1: for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had uh, businesses that turned out not to exist at all. They were literally just trying to get money us to hand them money, and then they were going to disappear. Um. And we've also found businesses that just flat out lie about what they've experienced and who they are. I mean, I had one guy tell me he was the prince of another country. Um, and, And so, you know, there's always when you're talking about handing someone serious sums of money, greed can come into play and stupidity can come into play. And sometimes they do. So you have to look out for those things.
0: I think if someone told me they were a prince, the first thing I would do is I wouldn't believe them, and the second thing I do is whip out my phone and Google prince of whatever country they said they're from. Because you're right, exactly right. right. <laughs> I I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. Uh, but I mean, you talk about some of the the shady things that can happen in investing, um, but you can also be taken advantage of in business in general. So what's what's your uh, checklist, what's your way to sort of sort out whether someone is uh, telling you the truth about an opportunity or to find out if they're bluffing?
1: No, that is a great question. That's something we focus heavily on. So one, we use a lot of different personality tests. And uh, once you really understand on a deep level how to read those personality tests, there are only certain types of personalities that have a higher propensity to lie so already we, we, we know what to look for there then um, you take that data and then you we take a deep dive for thirty days on each of these companies and their field and their competitors and often we're talking to their competition to understand if they've heard of this other company and all that other all those other things we're talking to customers and everything else. So we take a deep dive and when people are unwilling to share, you know, a list of investors they have or allow to talk to a customer or anything, or if their competition hasn't heard of them, it's all red flags where we're saying this is just, isn't making sense. Um, uh, and that's kind of the, the fundamentals of what we look for it, to suss out that, that how shady is this?
0: That makes me think of the phrase trust, but verify and i think that rings true with so many different things in business whether it's uh who you work with or if it's uh adopting a new software that you want to try out and see if it works for your business um definitely you know you can trust that it's going to do what it says it's going to do but you want to maybe get some success stories from people who have used the software before no i
1: totally agree totally agree and And it's also a good idea to take a deep dive on the product itself because often someone that's going to try and rip you off isn't going to put that much time and effort into a product
0: yeah again if you're just tuning in or if you're picking up the podcast from uh, after walking the dog or going to the gym and you're starting at this this point right now we're joined by kevin van eckeren who is an entrepreneur investor farmer and podcaster Kevin, I am very interested in the farming aspect of, uh, your story. Uh, what, what led you to, to start your own farm?
1: Well, uh, at the time when I bought the property, I I just bought it as an investment and it was just farmland, and I didn't think much of it at the time. And then, um, I started realizing that I was just working too much. Uh, I was, CEO of three different companies at the time and I, I had to be working 80 to 100 hours a week. It was just excessive. I hated it and I realized I needed something to do other than work and so I got some chickens and I built a chicken coop and then somehow restaurant owners got my eggs for me just hanging them out to friends and they loved it and uh, one restaurant in particular in Homewood, Illinois Said we love your egg, your eggs so much. We want you to make some other stuff for us. So now we raise chicken and pork for them, and we raise quail, duck, and chicken eggs for them.
0: So you just started this out because you wanted it for yourself, and then your restaurateur said, "Hey, let's let's utilize it. You, you've got something going."
1: Yes, and uh, and it's also just my place to relax i ended up moving out here and there's nothing better than waking up in the morning and not being able to see your neighbors so (laughs) i absolutely love it
0: and where is here for our listeners
1: it's about an hour south of chicago
0: oh okay nice midwest i love chicago by the way I, i think they've got the best deep dish pizza i'm a huge fan of giordano's and uh, whenever I'm in town, mm-hmm. yeah, whenever I'm in town, I try to make sure I get a a, a whole pie for myself because uh, it's not quite a, the same in Maryland, the deep dish pizzas.
1: No, I, I agree, but you guys have amazing seafood and we most certainly do
0: not. <laughs> well, next time you're here, I've got to take you to get a good crab cake. Done. I'm in. All right. That's sweet. That's sweet. Hey, uh, any parting thoughts that you want to share with our listeners about investing, about starting a business, about farming? Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about your podcast. Let me back up a little bit. Tell us about your podcast, because you are, I mean, you're running these companies, you've got an awesome life, and on top of that, you're doing a podcast, which I know takes a ton of work. Why would you start your podcast?
1: So it all started with the SWAT team, actually. I, we were called out to a barricaded gunman, and um, long story short, the guy ended up not being in the house. He got out before we ever got there. But we surrounded the house, and when it, when I got called out, I had my truck with me, and my all-black German Shepherd was in the back seat. So I just left the AC running. About an hour after we had set up a perimeter, I took her out, let her go to the bathroom, brought her back into the car. And uh, that night, um, after we blasted the door in, saw no one was in there and left. Um, I turn on the news, and there's an image of me taking my dog out of the car, and the reporter in the background saying, we have sources inside the police department stating that there's a hostage situation at such and such an address, and uh, the, the hostage taker has a bomb, so now they brought in the bomb dog. And I'm like, what? That didn't, there was no even one in, in the house. Like, What are you talking about? So I called the nightly news producer. And I said, look, dude, this didn't happen. I was there. I was the one that you showed in the video. That is my personal dog. There was no hostage. There was no bomb. What's going on? And he literally laughed and hung up. And that's when I realized the media isn't telling us the truth. The media is telling us what is going to get them ratings and therefore going to get them paid. And so I started listening to a lot more YouTube and podcasts and that kind of thing. And that led me to the state of logic, which is basically um over and over uh applying the principle of using fact-based decision making to come to a conclusion about whatever topic is going on in current events, politics, whatever.
0: Well, that's a interesting point about the media not telling the truth, which I mean, we're seeing it all the time on on all sides, but the thing that I love about podcast is that I have found podcasting to be an authentic medium for people to tell uh, authentic stories, whether those are news stories or whether those are l- like us today talking about entrepreneurship and investing. Uh, it, it's a it's an unfiltered, genuine, authentic way to get a point across, whatever that point may be. And I find that it's less tainted with those uh that need like for the producer that that needs to do it for ratings. I mean, I'm sure you'd agree, but podcasting, you do it because you love what you're talking about and you love uh, either you love or you're passionate about whatever the purpose and mission of your podcast is. And so you do it for that. You don't do it because, oh, I need ratings or sponsors or whatever. You know, those things are great, but um, it's all about the heart of what what you're doing.
1: No, I I totally agree. I think that the reason we're seeing what we're seeing in the media is because, for example, Comcast owns uh, Universal. Universal owns NBC, and NBC has a bunch of subsidiaries. And so you don't know who is influencing what, when, where, or why. And uh, so you can't know. But with a YouTube channel or a podcast, you can listen to them and pretty much – No, this is where they stand. They're not being influenced by a giant conglomerate. And so, therefore, I can at least believe or disbelieve what they're saying. And that comes back to the very point that you just made of it feels more genuine and honest.
0: What are some podcasts that you're listening to?
1: Well, oh, dear Lord. I mean, the Joe Rogan Experience is my all-time favorite podcast. Uh, No offense. Um, But I've I've really been enjoying... um, Tides of History, The Ben Shapiro Show, Freakonomics, um, of course, uh, the, the podcast I'm on, and then Axe Files has been really good as well.
0: What's Axe Files?
1: Axe Files is um, David Axelrod. He was the, um, I, I want to say, I might be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was the uh, head strategist for Obama. That's pretty sweet. Out of Chicago, but he has amazing connections. So he's bringing in brilliant people. And and while I may not always agree with his politics, I appreciate the point of view he puts on things.
0: Yeah, that's a cool thing about podcasting because it's a it's a place where we can sit at the table, um, no matter what our views are, and just learn from a different perspective. Um, I I listen to, and, and my wife listens to. Uh, what is it? Um, pod save America? And that's done by two former Obama speechwriters. And that's a pretty cool one because it, they were they have context of different stories or political events and things of that nature. So you almost get the story behind the story, which the media may not always cover. So I think that's a pretty cool thing, too. And they also have connections.
1: Right, exactly. I, I agree. I think the other thing that we really need to appreciate are some of the funnier podcasts. And uh, one podcast in particular that I've, I've literally cried so hard I've almost crashed my car three times while listening to <laughs> is called Booze Before Noon. Um, and it's actually meant for college kids. But I think we all have that college kid still, still in our heart somewhere. And so listening to these guys is just amazing.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm gonna have to check that one out too. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, man, and uh, I'm going to definitely share out some episodes of your podcast and and leave your review because I know how important that is for uh, for a podcast. And also, if you're listening today and you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And if you want to reach out to me and either suggest a topic for us to talk about or a guest that you think would be great on the show... Make sure you tweet me or find me on Instagram at JoeyVPriceHR or shoot me an email at jprice at jumpstart-hr.com. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together.